0: (laughs) and we had a chat about it and then Ian confirmed yesterday so I'd been mulling it over but I thought he hasn't contacted me it'll be all fine till yesterday and uh, then I went oh well I did say that I would do that so God's big he can do it. Uh, On Good Friday my son-in-law and my daughter and son-in-law at Foster Church of Christ and he's still doing his theological degree and it's well, as an older person said, you know, like, how can it be so boring and so long? But there is such wisdom to be gained. But when we're looking for wisdom, often it takes a long time to find it. Sometimes we find it instantly, like gold. You know, if, if gold was so easily accessed, you know, we'd just go out there, grab some, and it wouldn't be of much value. And I think sometimes wisdom, as Brett, our dear son, is at foster, got two young kids, He's, he's each Sunday is, is actually each week wrestling with what to find wisdom from God's word, and God does turn up every week. He just had an assignment due and an Easter service on Sunday and a Good Friday service. And being a good dad, I said, "How about I do the Good Friday and then I'll have a week's holiday." And uh, as I was preparing for Good Friday service, just there was it was a, a kind of interactive service. And I I came across this verse, Uh, one of the things that God laid on my heart was just thinking about these things. What are they called, Susan? Do you remember hands? You you often lay hands on people, but apparently the hand has 27 bones at least. Um, It's a very, in doctor's terms, it's a fairly fragile part of the body because there's not a lot of fat or a lot of things that can, you know, around those little fingers and all those little bones working together. Do you know how quickly, you know, you do something to one of your fingers, how you feel it, sort of all over you because they're, they're really a beautiful part of God's creation. We, what would we do without them? And I was thinking about that for Good Friday and often um, we talk about the nails that held Jesus to the cross. And as I was reflecting and reading, I realised that actually the nails didn't hold Jesus to the cross at all, really, did he? did they? It was actually, he was on a mission and... The hands that had created the universe, who'd sculpted with his fingers Adam and Eve, compassionate hands, loving hands, came to us in Easter and as I was just processing and I I just realised again the wonder of being embraced by the God of the universe, awesomely powerful and yet in a micro sense very compassionate and tender. I've got... Seven grandkids? Something like that. They're all under seven. We had four days with them. Then we had three days off just, just to have quiet and <laughs> whatever that is. Because, <laughs> And we took them all to a house and we, we had a lot of fun over Easter. But, you know, it's amazing the gentleness that, you know, when, when a little granddaughter or grandson reaches up and says, Grandpa, you know, then they give their hands to you, something builds. There's trust there, love is there. There's something beautiful about when they chuck a tantrum to give them back to parents. It's, it's a great season to be in. But this, this idea that Good Friday, the God, often the media, the, people, the culture we live in, is telling us that re- Christianity is about control, manipulation. It's, it's an angry religion. And maybe it is. But the founder and the core and the one that we worship just this morning again has compassionate heart and a compassionate hands. And he loves us to, not only to embrace us individually, but he also loves us to embrace each other and to care for each other. Lovely testimony this morning of, I'm in trouble, it's tough. I've had the prayers of God's family, their hands around me. And so I just want to—it came to as I came come this morning. I'm going to ask Jim, who is has a great voice. So I figured we'll do a little bit of poetry, a little song. He used to sing in the open air opera. So I don't know though he's still got that. That was when he was a really young bloke. But um, I, I want to start this, this this morning just again to remind us of the, the greatness and the tenderness of our God. And this is what it says. I'm going to pick a few verses out of Colossians, but I want to frame it this morning by, by, from verse 13 or 14 from Colossians chapter 2. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. All. Isn't that a beautiful picture of, of Easter? He cancelled the record of the charges against us. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. I don't know about you, but in the old days when computers, they're still not that, not on my top favourite list. But when I first started, they told me this would actually save me a lot of time. And I'd get halfway through a sermon and I'd, I'd walk away and then there was just a blue screen. <laughs> It wasn't a very positive response from my part. I've just put all my thoughts onto this little screen. And I love this. It just reminded me this morning again, and as I was preparing, he cancelled the record of the charges against us. We still have an enemy that keeps telling us and accusing us, oh, no, no, you're, you're way less than perfect. And God, oh, oh, no, he's really annoyed. But I want to declare again this morning in the, in the sense of this, that the Jesus... That hung on a cross, not because of the nails, not because of the Romans. He was actually on the mission to actually make sure that my sins and your sins are forever cancelled. I don't know what kind of week you've had, but there are times this week that haven't been all pretty. There's been phone calls and emotions in me that probably aren't that godly. And there's moments there when I go, <gasps> yep, see, I'm not worthy. And I just, I'm reminded of this verse, and I, I felt it was on my heart to share with you again this morning. He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And this is the next bit that I'm still working through. I think we will till we get to heaven. In, in verse 15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Very emphatic, very strong words, very definite. There's not a, oh, maybe he did or maybe he didn't. Very strong. Paul is absolutely convinced that the cross, the work has been done. And that's why 2,000 plus years later, we still come back Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday in this church and we reclaim the fact, the fact that Jesus and God have cancelled the sins that are held against us and disarmed the enemy. And I love this, the reason we come to this church, even though people can't work out if you live at Pendle Hill, what's your local church? Katoomba. It doesn't quite make sense for them. But, you know, one of the things I've really appreciated about this community is that we live into that and you live into that. And it encourages me to keep holding on to the fact that while sometimes feels the enemy is winning in the world that we live in, the truth is... He is disarmed. But you can get a gun and you can walk into a petrol station and even if the gun's unloaded, it can still be quite traumatic. This is the Jesus that we worship. This is why it is good news personally to me. And why at 59 I'm still with groups of young and older people go, I I want you to know not just the, the fact but I want that to integrate into your everyday existence, not when you're doing ministry only when you come to church, but at 3 a.m. in the morning or when that, that darkness comes and it's nearly tangible, this is the fact. Jesus has cancelled everything that you think you've done or should have done, and he's saying, I'm for you, son, you're loved. And whatever gun has been poked at your head and your heart at the moment, it's disarmed <laughs> It may look and feel quite traumatic, but actually the fact is we have a, river, a risen Jesus who says, I know you by name, and you're mine. Full stop. I'm going to ask Jim to come and sing just a, a good old song. Hopefully he's warmed up. He's, he's, not, he's used to living up near um, Lismore, so it's a little warmer up there. So let him, let's let, listen to this. and just, Maybe just as he comes, we'll just ask God to just speak to our hearts in this, in this moment. You're awesome, Father. We thank you that that your son's hands were reached wide. The fact is that there's not one human being that you don't go after. The blood has been shed, and you want to give this gift, the gift of life. And we pray now as Jim comes that it won't be just a song, that you remind us through your spirit, through our emotions, through every part of our body, that we are absolutely loved and we are not accused by a heavenly father. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Hmm. <coughs> right eh?
1: <coughs> yes, yeah, is a uh, a good old favourite in the good old English. <laughs> but uh, as Don says "A trust, it's a blessing and a spiritual uh awakening hmm. <coughs> my Jesus I Savior art thou. if ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now, I love Thee because Thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. i I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with a glittering crown on my brow. If ever
0: Sorts of testimonies, aren't there? As I look at this uh, chapter, I'm, I'm just going to pull out a couple of things that just remind me of again where we start in the cross. And as it goes through, it, the, the next 15 verses or so actually remind us that, that God, through Jesus, has brought a new reality to our lives. Uh, In in chapter 3, it starts this way, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour. Think about the things of heaven, not of things of earth, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share his glory. As you uh, read through chapter 3, it's a, it's a beautiful prayer, and, it, and it, for me, it, it sums up in some ways the gospel. And as I was uh, preparing for it, not only the Good Friday service, but the link came to going, Lord, I accept that as truth. I, I, I believe that my reality is in your reality, that my little story, I've given you permission, can I just be part of the bigger story of your redeeming humanity? But there are times when I still am not fully convinced of that in the way I think and live and breathe. There are moments, just that, you know, before I took this week of leave where there were just too many things to do in, a, in, in the days and there was anger and there were things in there that just impatience even. And sometimes I, I ask the question, like, I want to be a loving person, I want to actually make a difference, but... When no one's looking, when, when I'm not on duty or, or living out in ministry, sometimes the, the backwash is not that pleasant still. And I still want to work through that. And, uh, and I came this, and this is what I just want to unpack for a few minutes uh, this morning with you because, and i happy for you to correct me afterwards, but it's, it's what I've been unpacking and trying to work, make sense of. In, in verse 12, I'll just go back a bit because, again, I want to link it to this, this is Christ. His, his truth, not my truth, it's my feelings don't determine truth, do they? I can, I can access them, but the, ac- the actual truth is they're very poor master's feelings. But we do need to actually, they tell us something about what's going on for us in our little, in our little story. Um, this is what it says in uh, verse 11. And in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric. Ooh, I was a missionary kid in New Guinea, so that could apply to me, or uncivilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. I just, this, Paul just keeps coming back to this because it's such an important part of the fact. The enemy, who's being, you know, quite frankly, disarmed, still points the gun and says he's not what he says he is. Uh, when we teach at a, our young ones out of school, we go. What if we read Scripture with no buts? You, you know, often the theologians go, Oh, well, "This is what it says, but," and we know that most time we use "but" it means I'm actually not that convinced that first statement's true. And in this case, I j- I'm reminded again that all that matters is this: that He lives in all of us. And here it is, here's here's the activity, he is not a passive God. That's the other lie that keeps coming, particularly against the the Christian church in the West. Since God chose you to be the holy people, he loves you. Uh, Marianne's had a graduation, we had our daughters and people came, it was a full day in Sydney University in the Great Hall, and uh, this morning I was trying to work out where my clothes because we came up late last night, and it says the next part it says, "You must clothe yourselves with listen to this, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. As I was reflecting on that last night, I realised that one of the things I've had to unlearn coming from a missionary family is that whether they meant it or not, as a little kid, I realised now I was shamed into thinking that, that I had to be kind, I had to love, and I had to be merciful to out there But there was a certain sense of self-loathing that seemed to come because I could never be fully that as a little kid, and I always seemed to be one that just I identify with Peter that was just on just touch on the wrong side when the supervisor came or the teacher or the older missionary single lady particularly were quite scary because they didn't have kids they didn't understand grace that well I didn't think, and they told me off a lot. (laughs) But there was a sense where as I looked to to where I am now and what I'm and as I live this out, I know it in my head. But I'm still coming to grips with that little boy that sometimes goes, oh, yeah, I'll try and do that. But here's what I want to just suggest this morning. In our maturing, as we come to get to be with God before ever in heaven, there comes a point where God says, I don't want you just to try and do it for me. I want you to accept this gift of kindness. I want you to be more convinced that Not only that that you will accept my kindness directly, but that you'll actually be kind to yourself. Now, as a missionary kid, I'm still coming to grips with this because I always thought about was Jesus first and others second and then I don't know where you go, but you're just a lost something or other and you just got to do it. And I read this passage and I want to go, I don't think it's possible to be kind and tender and patient with others unless we keep opening our self up to absorbing and being, realising that this is firstly for us, that God is patient and tender because all of our sins have been paid for. So as I go and rush out the door for another ministry or mission trick, what I want to say this morning is part of discipleship is actually going, am I convinced? Am I kind to myself? I find that it's easy to be kind to other people and sometimes I get resentful on the inside even though I'm being supposedly loving and tender-hearted on the outside. Let me read a, a, de- a definition that I found about kindness, which is one of, the ver- one of the words. Kindness has a gentle sound that seems to echo the presence of compassionate goodness. And you know, we're, we're in the Blue Mountains. Echoes, we, we do echoes. We've got echo point even. But kindness... And as I listen to this, it has an echo of compassionate goodness. How 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 kind are you to yourself? I want to ask us this in the morning. When someone's kind to you, that you feel they understand, there is no judgment or harsh, harsh perception. Kindness has gracious eyes. Hmm. Oh, I can be very stern with myself especially when I'm late or something hasn't worked out. Kindness has eyes that are gracious. If God sees me with gracious eyes, what right do I have to decide that I can't actually see myself with his grace eyes? And if we're in a community and there's a prophetic edge to this community and a prayerful intercession edge, and I love that. But I want to say this morning... I want to ask this question of me first and my family. Do, I, do we actually, when we're not doing great things, do we know the kindness with gracious eyes towards ourselves? There's something special and significant and unique in this little community, even if we are a remnant. But I want, us, I want to encourage us through Colossians this morning to say, let's not just pour it out on everyone else, but let us make sure we continue to act access the grace-filled eyes of our Saviour in order to actually become daughters and sons that actually reflect the good news of Jesus. Sometimes we shortcut that bit and we keep doing that. I've got lots of kids at 18 who want to actually make a difference in the world and go on mission, and part of me is trying to convince them. How convinced are you that grace is actually in the, the little boy or the little girl in you? Because we send you to mission, I can guarantee the enemy will point the gun and go, you haven't got what it takes. And I don't want you to give up on the faith because this good news is so important that it dribbles right deep down into your soul. Kindness has gracious eyes. It is not small-minded. It wants nothing back. Your vulnerability even though it's exposed, is never taken advantage of. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to sit with that. And maybe this is not for you today, but this is probably not for me more than you. But as I look at the gospel, the cross, and the Good Friday service, as I see my life's in him, the enemy would still want to take ground from me and say, you're still diminished and living as a slave priority, and it's for everybody else that you serve. But I was reminded last night these are the qualities that I think I want to be part of a community that has these but I actually need to find them and allow God to keep me, allow me to hear and to experience and encounter the presence of Jesus with these. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. It doesn't say go around clothing other people with tender-hearted mercy, it actually says clothe yourself (laughs) with tender-hearted mercy. Isn't that beautiful? It's so often we want to rush to actually help somebody else but I just want to leave you this morning with this this challenge. When in the last week have you not actually clothed yourself with tender-hearted mercy? That comes from Jesus. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I cannot, it says in verse 13, revised here, but I cannot really make allowance for others' faults if I am not gracious to the fact that I am imperfect and absolutely loved by my father. It just, somehow the sheets are short-circuited and it doesn't go the full distance. And I love Paul because as I read this, I'm encouraged again to say to God, and even last night, okay. Thank you for allowing me to preach on Sunday so I get it again. I've got a really busy month. We have, we have 300 pastors coming in three weeks to a three-day intensive and I'm already feeling a little anxious because some of those pastors won't be happy. And I don't want to put a wall up that actually blocks me from actually walking in the light and the, the kindness and tenderness and the patience and the love of God. But I will do that if I actually am defensive and I'm there to try and do something to someone rather than to say, God, I'm imperfect but I'm loved, and I'm going to go into that conference. We have 25 young adults and not-so-young adults spending three days in two weeks' time, and at the end of this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's a group of 50- and 60-year-olds that we're spending in time. I want them to catch this. They cannot catch the essence of the good news unless I actually go, this is a gift for me. This is the nourishment for my soul. And as I put on that and encounter that, I can actually be part of helping the hands and feet of Christ for them to encounter the one who loves them absolutely. I don't do it for them. I, I lead them to a place where they can encounter for themselves the amazing grace of God. I want to say, and I'll finish with a couple of more things, but just let me just read it. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us together. What I've realised again about my little missionary kid is that he's getting kinder and he's getting more integrated. But there are moments still where he decides to act up because he doesn't feel safe. Now, no one else will know that on the outside, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking God in my discipleship journey and my sonship journey to say, can I be more integrated? Can I not have to, <sighs> to hold my breath and try and be loving? Can I, just, can I encounter your love so deeply that... It just expresses itself forward. And can I also encourage myself to actually absorb love from others so that I'm not just a strong one, but I'm actually part of a community? In Colossians, it just says here, and this is where I want to get to, and I'm still getting there, but in verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Hmm, That's my challenge for this week. I don't know about yours. What does it mean for the peace, the deep shalom? To rule my heart beyond circumstance. Because he's the one that says, my hands, you can't get out of my hands. I've given so that nothing's held against you, my son, my daughter. Enter into deeper peace. We pray for peace. Part of it is just being able to release and say, God, it's not about trying to make peace. It's actually allowing your peace to invade my soul. By nature, I'm not actually... A, when, when often when we have leadership or we've got some drive, one of the things that the backburn things is that we, we have... It takes a while for us to find true peace beyond circumstance, just to be, because that. My Father in heaven, through Jesus, says, He's such a kind, Father. The eyes that come towards me are not con- no condemnation, because that's been... That blue computer screen's wiped. He says, Son, blood been shed, Son imperfect, son, loved I want I want my peace not just when you get to heaven but now let me just read a poem maybe it's a, a poem by a, a Catholic um, poet and of it course uh, it's John O'Donoghue and it says it's called uh, Bless the Space and he just writes these poems but well, I just read this last night I, maybe you can close your eyes maybe you, you don't want to do that and that's okay but it just says for belonging and I felt it was appropriate for here says this. May you listen to your longing to be free. May the frames of your belonging be generous enough for your dreams. May you arise each day with a voice of blessing whispering in your heart. May you find a harmony between your soul and your life. May the sanctuary of your soul never become haunted. May you know the eternal longing that lives at the heart of time. May there be kindness in your gaze when you look within. May you never place walls between the light and yourself. May you allow the wild beauty of the invisible world to gather you, mind you, and embrace you in belonging. Thank you for the encouragement from your word, Heavenly Dad. Thank you that in Colossians we're reminded that we, we, you hold nothing against us. That your hands weren't held by, by the Romans, nor nails. You gave your hands and our sins were pinned to the cross. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Help us to re- lay claim to kindness from you. Help us to be kind to ourselves and then to pass kindness on to all that we meet. Thank you for the power of your spirit. As we take communion together this morning, maybe we'll be reminded this gift was at great price, given freely, so that no human would have to be without your shalom, your peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Give us capacity not to give in to the disarmed enemy, but to to clothe ourselves with the love of God that never runs out. In Jesus' strong name, amen.